0: And NyQuil. So our prices are, one of these items is $8, one of these items is $3.50, one's $8.50, and one's 9 So, who is ready? Start waving your hand if you would like to be called upon as the next contestant on the Price is Right. Who is ready to come down What was he? Bible Prize is Right? Just start waving your hand. Tim. Tell us who's our next contestant. Anita on Maxwell, pr- come on down. Yes, Anita, give a big round of applause. Anita Maxwell, you're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Just come over and stand here. So we need a man to come on up here. So men, start waving your hands. Tim, tell us who's our next contestant on The Price is Right. Well, Dave, that is Miguel Rodriguez. Come yes, on down. Yes, all right, Miguel, come on down. So, Anita, these are your four price tags. You can begin uh, while Miguel's making his way up here, get a head start, figure it out, do the best you can. Miguel, there's your price tags. And audience, please, you are allowed to kind of shout encouragement, maybe throw them off, uh, try to help them. Uh, Ladies with ladies, men with men. So feel free just to give them advice right now. Go. We got about 30, 40 seconds. Are you sure? Okay. Oh. Uh, You just put, I've got them marked on the back. They have an F or an M. So, yep, just put them right there. Oh, Miguel, look at that. Just knocked it out. Anita's taking her time. So first off, um, Miguel, tell us, uh, tell our studio audience where you're from. Here in Syracuse. And Anita, tell our studio audience where, where you're from. Milford. And why uh, why are you both excited to be on Price Is Right? Did you ever imagine that you could be on Price Is Right at church? I mean, what are you so excited about today? Being in front of everybody. <laughs> and you, Anita. I mean, why are you so excited today? Snow. Or snow. And you have to be on the prices right. So we have uh, Miguel put $3.50. Anita put $8 in the right price for the Valentines. Anyone? $8. Okay, so we're both missed on that one. Let's see about the NyQuil. So $8 for Anita. $8.50 Eight dollars and50 cents for Miguel, and the right price is? 850. So we're going to give that one to Miguel. He got that one. So let's go to we'll do the uh, Tumblr now. They both said nine dollars. And the right price is? nine dollars. So you can eat Anita, that's for you. Miguel. Two to one, last one. Why don't we have a drum roll here for the live? So let's give a drum roll. Why don't we just pound it? So, for the last one for three dollars and50 cents. Oh, who got? It's a tie. Well, you both are going to receive a special prize after the service for tying. And uh, thank you for being on prices, right today. Let's give them a big round of applause. Way to go. Yeah, you just dropped it here. Why in the world did we do that? What's the point? So, the point is today we're talking about salvation, uh, concerning this salvation. And so, we have money and things, we have relationships, we have salvation, and we have awards or achievements. So how, what kind of price tag would you put on each of these items? What would be first? Would it be money and things? Second, awards? Third, salvation? Fourth, relationships? Maybe relationships, just not being alone, having, not feeling loneliness, feeling satisfied and and deep, good relationships, maybe that would be first. Maybe you just want, you want good things in life. You want a, a good income. You want a steady pay raise. Uh, maybe that's number one or two, money and things. Got to be able to enjoy life. Maybe you want to be known for achieving and accomplishing things. A little bit of fame. Maybe that's number one or two. What kind of price tag? Which? What's one, what's two, what's four? So our message today is about how no matter what, what's still gonna matter a hundred years from now? What's still gonna be priceless a thousand years from now? God gave us relationships. Relationships are, are so important, so powerful. But yet what's what's still higher? Money and things, and the Bible says. We didn't bring anything out of the world, we're not going to take anything, we didn't bring anything into the world, we're not going to take anything out of it. Naked we came, naked we're going to go. That won't be worth much beyond death. Awards and achievements, I mean we all would like to accomplish those things and God has given us good things, a purpose in life, we have a real purpose in life in Christ. But our message today is that we want to put the right price tag on our salvation Whenever Jesus or the apostles, anyone talks about salvation, it's like, this is the greatest thing. Do you realize this is, this is amazing. This is priceless. And our passage today even talks about angels long to like look underneath the hood of salvation and like, how, how does this work? How does this amazing in the same way that you and I, if we were to walk out in the parking lot and there was a yellow Lamborghini, we'd want to walk up and, and just look at that Lamborghini and like, wow, what might it be like to sit behind the wheel of that? In the same way angels want to like, how, how did Jesus do it? How did he become one of them? How did he die for their sins? How did he give them the free gift of salvation? So we want to put the right price tag always and just thinking, just thank you, Jesus that it never grows old, that it has meaning in the life to come, but it, salvation, as we're gonna see, also has meaning today, here and now. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 1, follow along. So glad you're all here today. My wife texted me this morning, and she said, are, are you gonna be, be live streaming both services? And I said, yes, honey you could watch me in both services. So I I thought that was funny. For 26 years, and she still can't get enough of me. That's pretty good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the chances to open the Bible today. And I thank you just for the chances to be together, whether online or here. Lord, I just pray that you'd supernaturally touch and uh, strengthen and work in each of our hearts, Lord. Uh, grow us, uh, build us up, comfort us, strengthen us, renew us, uh, increase our faith, increase our love, um, increase our gratitude today, in Jesus' name, amen. So Josh has kicked us off with First Peter, and we're, uh, I'm going to start off with First Peter 8, just to make the connection between Josh's message last week and, and the message this morning. So First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 8 says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And now verse 10, which we're going to talk about today, concerning this salvation. So we're going back to verses 3 through 9. That we've taught, where it's talked about the hope of glory, salvation being imperishable, unfading, undefiled, and all those, the salvation of your soul, uh, meaning like the, the preservation of your soul. And so now today, concerning, let's talk a little bit more. Let's think, think about this salvation. So when was the last time you used the word salvation in a conversation? Besides not a church conversation, Nothing to do with outside of church, anything. Probably not, it, it's really pretty much relegated to the church, though it's really not supposed to be. You could use it in these different contexts. Oh, I got an F on the test, I'm doomed. But then the teacher decided to like, uh, the teacher said, forget that test, everyone failed, I'm throwing it out, salvation. Oh, the factory, um, I, I thought we were getting laid off um, because of the orders and then, but then a whole slew of orders came in Monday morning and now we're gonna be running like full steam ahead, salvation. My team was losing by two points and five seconds left. Guy threw it, throw it up from half court, nothing but net, we won the game, salvation. Oh, the boss was in such an angry mood. It was going to be a terrible day at the office. And, and then he got called out and had to leave salvation. There was a person and, and I saw him drop below the water and the lifeguard ran out there and, and swam out there quick and dragged him out salvation. Salvation has all those meanings. In ancient times, it, it, it meant like salvation from war. Originally, Athens, Greece was being invaded by the Persian or Iranian army, and the 26.2 miles, which was the, the Battle of Marathon, the legend has it that the guy ran the 26.2 miles and announced salvation to those who were waiting on the city walls. And salvation means we've been delivered. The Greek army beat the Persians. We're delivered. We won't be be conquered and enslaved by the Persians. It was also used in the sense of delivery from a sickness or an illness. Meaning like, oh, I was so, so sick. Thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I got some medicine. I went to bed early. I woke up the next morning. I felt alive and so much better. Salvation. Salvation was about your physical recovery. It was also used in the sense of, a, of a, arriving safely home from a long journey. I don't know what your trip was like this morning, driving in from the, the snow, or if you've ever had a long journey and uncertain roads, but back 2,000 years ago, you can imagine that any type of 10 or 20 or 30 miles could be a very dangerous uh, journey. And so it was salvation when you arrived home safely. You made it safely, on the voyage or on the travel. Salvation has all those senses. So concerning this salvation, first part of my sentence is that this salvation is priceless. When the Bible talks about salvation, it's always that, do you the reader, do you the Christian, do you recognize how amazing how glorious, how priceless this salvation is. Later in the verse it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace, this gift, grace meaning this kindness, this undeserved blessing, do you, it's always assumed like, do you understand? Do you know what this is? Do you know this amazing gift that you have? Do you know this $1 million or this $10 million that you never have to work a day in your life for? Do you realize how precious this is? Salvation, what is it? Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned, and for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ paid the penalty, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Mark 1.15 says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what do we mean by, by the God's rescue, by God's salvation, by God as one, by you're, you're, no, you're not gonna die of that sickness, you're gonna get home safely, salvation. First, it means be, becoming to know that all have sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned. You've failed, I've failed. You're imperfect, I'm imperfect. We all fall short, everyone falls short. Number two, for the wages of sin is death. What we deserve, what we've earned is death and eternal damnation and eternity is separate from, from God. We've all earned that, but the gift of God is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift, the free present of God is eternal life through Jesus and that Christ paid the penalty for you and I. For Christ died for sins once for all. Jesus died so you didn't have to die. Jesus died and took our sins, your sins, my sins, and died so I wouldn't have to die, so you wouldn't have to die. And the last thing is that everyone's got a choice. Everyone's got an individual choice. You can't be saved for somebody else. You can only choose yourself that everyone must choose to repent or not repent. Everyone must choose to receive the free gift of God in Christ or not receive it, or say no thanks. Everyone must make their own decision whether to move toward Jesus or not. And I know this idea of salvation, it's abstract. You can't eat it, you can't drive it, you can't put your arms around it, but yet it's the most priceless thing we have. Sometimes we may think it's only for the next life, but oh, no, no. It's for now. It's for today. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Salvation means you're brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Meaning, if you choose Christ... Clean slate, all your past sins, all your past failings, they're washed away. You don't have to remember them. You don't have to beat yourself up about them. Whenever you think of them, you can say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Whenever that guilty voice in your mind comes up about, yeah, you blew it, you can just take that and say, Jesus, you forgave me for that. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me for that. Jesus, thank you that there's no condemnation, that I don't have to surrender to that feeling of guilt and shame anymore. That you are brand new, that you are forgiven, that you have a new life in Christ. Salvation means you are forgiven and restored. 1 Peter 2.24 says, he himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Let's say that together. Say that together at home, let's say that together right now. He himself, bore. say this with me, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This salvation's priceless. Think just for a moment. Your personal sins 2000 years ago Jesus died. The crown of thorns, the blood he shed, it was for you. That you might die to sin and live to righteousness, meaning that through Christ you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to those sins that you struggle with. The devil and your conscience, some, you, you, there may be a voice that says, oh, you'll never be free, but that is not the truth. In Christ, he has set you free and he will give you increasing freedom from that sin that you struggle with. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. Your salvation is the most valuable thing you have, both right now, today, and for all eternity. It's priceless. And it does have meaning for eternity. We should never, ever lose sight of. Jesus, in talking about eternity, he says in Matthew 16, verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Meaning, what good will it do a man or woman to have a billion dollars, to have anything they want, to win, you know, they got home homecoming queen, they got captain of every sports team, they got A pluses, they got honors in college, graduate top of their class, Every two years they got promoted. They were a CEO of five different companies. Married to whoever had perfect children. Died and went to hell. Or what about the person, well, they never got to be captain of anything. Got C pluses and B minuses. Dropped out of college had four different careers, were married but it was rough, had some kids who made mistakes, held on to Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into heaven, Jesus said to them for all eternity. What life would you choose if you could choose between those two? What life would you choose for your best friend, for your son or daughter? For what will it profit a man or woman if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The salvation is priceless, both now and for all eternity. It's the most lasting thing, the most important thing that you will ever accomplish. It's the greatest reward, the greatest promotion, the greatest possession you will ever, ever have. Your rescue your victory in Christ. Salvation's kind of an uncommon churchy word. Call it God's rescue of you, God's deliverance. No matter what you may achieve or not achieve, no matter your failures or successes in life, when you die, if you have this, this is your greatest accomplishment in life. This is your greatest award in life. Your relationship with Jesus and your hanging on to him through the ups and downs of your life. Have you put the right price tag on your salvation today? Have you put the right price tag on your salvation today? It's priceless. Verse 10, let's come back to verse 10. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to 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 be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. This salvation is priceless, and through the Spirit you find your life. Through the Spirit you find your life. Coming back to verse 11, it says this Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ, and the subsequent glories. The Spirit of the Christ, who is that? That's just another name for the Holy Spirit. God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They work together to reveal truth to us to accomplish salvation. So the prophets, their ministry, they're seeking, they're they're searching the scriptures that they have, they're praying, they're in ministry. They're reaching out to God and, and God is working through the spirit of Christ and the prophets of the Old Testament revealing about who the Messiah is in the first coming of Jesus. You and I live in the time between the first coming and the second coming. But those prophets were, the spirit of Christ was revealing to them that the Messiah, he's gonna suffer. Part of his life, a great part of his life is gonna be characterized by suffering, But the Messiah will also have glories. He'll have sufferings and he's going to have glories. Throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit of Christ through the Holy Spirit revealed to the prophets where Jesus was going to be born. Bethlehem. They revealed that he would grow up and be a very humble, a worker, a carpenter, a blue-collar guy. They went on to, when he entered Jerusalem, there would be a great celebration. The prophets through the spirit of Christ came to know that that he would be betrayed and that he would be killed. In Isaiah chapter 53, the, the spirit of Christ revealed to the prophet Isaiah in this, it said, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he, the Messiah, the coming Jesus, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, the Messiah, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed, even the reference to 1 Peter 2.24 that we we looked at, that we are healed by him. The Spirit of Christ revealed all this to the prophets and also the subsequent glories. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, continued to reveal that he would be born again, uh, that he would be raised to new life through the resurrection, that new life would be found in him, that grace, forgiveness, love, redemption, And even in Philippians 2, 10, it talks about his second coming that we now eagerly await where it says, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Revelations 19 talks about Jesus Christ coming back and is titled the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Revelation 21 talks about, and he shall wipe away every tear from our eyes there shall be no longer any death or mourning or crying or pain. The Spirit of Christ reveals about the sufferings and the subsequent glories of the Messiah. Last week, Josh, in his message, talked about the trials. And in this, in this week, we, the, the Spirit of Christ is talking about the sufferings and the glories. And it's just setting us up that the Christian life that we share in the sufferings of Christ That we also share in the subsequent glories of Christ that his suffering is our suffering. As he suffered, we're also gonna taste suffering. But as he has the glories, we're also gonna experience the glories too. As we cling to Jesus, we'll, we'll experience the sufferings, but we'll also experience the subsequent glories along with our Savior. His victory will be our victory as well. The role of the Spirit of Christ is, is, is there's, there's several things I could say, but for today's message, it's to teach and lead you about who Christ is. The Spirit of Christ is to take you deeper in revealing that, yeah, there'll be sufferings, and yes, there'll be glories. The Spirit of Christ, as we pray to him, as he works in your life, it's to reveal more of who Jesus is in your life so that you might hold all the more fast to Jesus. Coming back to our verse in 10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Verse 11, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So the question is, what did the spirit of Christ ultimately reveal to these prophets, what did the Spirit reveal to them? Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. It was revealed that they were not serving themselves, but you. Think about the word you. And just every, everyone for the last 2,000 years who's opened this letter or heard it read, when you hear the words you, that's like, that's me. That's a message from 2,000 years ago to me. From Isaiah to the forming of the Bible to write down 2,000 years to you today. It's always to be received that, What? A message from God to me. And the message is that you are part of a long chain, a long family of God, a long people of God, that 3,000 years ago, as they met in homes to discuss God's law and how to follow God and how to love God, whether it was in their home or their synagogue in all the places till the time of Christ that the church has been dispersed and and spread out from the Middle East to today, that you are a part of a long chain, that this is for you, that the prophets, the light bulb came on that all their lives they sought God, they served God, they ministered before God, they prophesied for God, they taught God's word, they urged and, and called people to God, and at some point, they realize that, huh, my life uh, isn't just about me. It's about passing it on. It's about the future. It's about those who are listening. It's about those who are going to read this manuscript that I'm writing about. Jesus, bear, he's, he by his wounds, you are healed. That my life is bigger than me. And so my final sentence is, this salvation is priceless, and through the Spirit you find your life is bigger than you. Now we all know it might be natural, you know, you've got a 10-year-old boy or girl, 15-year-old, 20-year-old, 25. Now it's natural, like when you're young, you talk a lot about yourself. Because that's all you know. You're experiencing everything. And, and sometimes when, when you're young, you can go on and on about this or that. And you're discovering because and, and, it's all brand new. But it gets a little more awkward if it you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 70 and a 70-year-old's just going on and on and on. At some point, it's a maturity that you realize that, ah, you know, life is, more, life is more than just about me. And these prophets realize that it's not, I'm not the end all. It doesn't end with me. That I'm not the caboose, the last car of the train. You know, caboose, like the the last car of the train. That none of us are supposed to be that, that caboose. That, yep, I'm it. Look out the back window of the caboose and no more train, the train's all in front of me, way up there. I can't see the, the lead car, but I'm it. That if you're a follower of Christ, you're not, none of us is meant to be the caboose. It's, it's, it's never to end with us. Now let me say clearly, your salvation is always for you. Only you can choose it. And your salvation is 100% for you. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ coming into you and cleaning you up, cleansing your conscience, setting you for free from sin. Your salvation is 100%. It's always, always, always for you. When you die and you stand before Christ, you like, I believed in you, Jesus. I, I, I gave my life to you. It's always for you. Both in this life today, Jesus Christ has set you free and made your your salvation. It's always, always 100% for you. But it's always meant for you to give to someone else. As Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, you are to lay, at some point, you realize you are to lay your life down for somebody else. At some point, Sooner or later, the light bulb has to come on. As Christ has died and suffered and sacrificed for you, so you sacrifice and are even willing to suffer for others. You're never meant to be the last link in the chain. It, it doesn't end with you that at some point, as you live for Christ, it's, it's, not about, it's, not, it, it's bigger than me. I wanna reach out to those around me and and take someone with me. I thought about this week and uh, talked with with my mother about this situation and just uh, my grandfather, his name was Glenn Brown, and he grew up in the little town of Iron River, Michigan. Anyone know where that is at? It's in the Upper Peninsula, on the western side of the Upper Peninsula, just above Wisconsin. In the house he grew up in, they didn't go to church, didn't follow Christ, kind of looked down on that, thought it was kind of crazy, dumb. The next door neighbor, they were Christians. The house right next door, they were followers of Christ. They went to church. There was a boy next door that my grandfather played with on a regular basis. One unknown day in our family history, the dad said to my grandfather, "Hey kid, you want you want to go to church with us tomorrow? Go and ask your parents." So my grandfather said, "Hey, can I go? We think they're, they're as much as my mother remembers their name was the Lindalls." And like, "Can I go to church with the Lindalls?" and said, "Yeah, I, I guess so." And my grandfather went off with the Lindall family to church. And he went back the next Sunday. And the Sunday after that just kept going. And he f- became a follower of Christ. And it changed his whole life. It changed his eternity. It changed the, the, the destiny of his wife, of his children, and had, a, had a influence, an everlasting influence on my life. All just because this guy said, hey, kid, you want to? You want to go to church with, uh, with us tomorrow? What do you think this, uh, this Mr. Lindahl, he's been in heaven now for quite some time. I don't know what things he may have, I don't know how much money he made, what kind of achievements or awards that he won in life or, or anything else about him. But, you know, if he's able to look back on his life on earth, what do you think are some of the things he's most proud of? Like that are still they're going to matter for a million years from now. One of them, I think, that day, like, huh, I I invited that little boy next door to go to church with us, and that still matters in a million years from now. Something so simple. I just share that story just as an opportunity that any one of us can do right. Any one of us can say, Hey, you want to come to church? You want to come to Life Group? You want to come to this event? You want to, come to the youth? you want to come to Salt Company or Impact? Or any one of us can say something so simple and you just don't know. By a mere saying, do you want to come to, to church? Do you want to come to youth group? You could affect generations of people's lives for Jesus and for all eternity. Wrapping up today, three quick applications, three take-homes from today. Number one, what price tag do you put on your salvation? In fact, let's not even call it salvation. What price tag do you put on God's rescue of you? What price tag do you put on God's pulling you out of the water when you were drowning? What price tag do you put on God getting you safely home to heaven? Number two, and and before I go on, um, if you're not sure today, you know, be sure. Um, I'll lead you in a prayer. Talk to your life group leader if you're part of life group here. Talk to Josh or I. Call the church this week. Find out for sure. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit just to continue just to help you understand who Jesus really is. Ask the Spirit of Christ. We use uh, today's terminology for the Holy Spirit. Ask the Spirit of Christ just to, you know, turn the light bulbs on in your mind so you can grab on to Jesus more closely. Ask the Spirit of Christ to to teach you about sharing the sufferings, sharing the glories of walking with Jesus. And number three, just recognize that your life is bigger than you. God's rescue of you is bigger than you. You're part of God's rescue team. Each and every, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of God's rescue team. Every one of us can invite somebody. Every one of us just God wants you to know it's, it's more than just about our own salvation. It's about you know, laying down our lives for someone else, trying to take someone with us for all eternity.